Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio. I'm here with my friend and colleague and co-author, Nancy Saxton Lopez. This is a program that we do live as a broadcast on Facebook and YouTube every Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern time for about a half hour. And it's an opportunity to take some of the learning that we gained over many years facilitating pet loss support groups and bring it to a wider audience even then, we were able to, when we wrote our book, we wrote a book that's called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And so we have this opportunity now to enter into an exchange with you, to have a dialogue with you. And, and that's what we spend a lot of our time on this podcast doing, is sharing some of the stories that you send to us and then giving you our reactions, our thoughts and response to them. So we encourage you to, to connect with us in that way and to send us emails with your stories. You can also leave a voicemail and there's a connection to the Anchor FM program in the description that would allow you to do that. But you can send me an email at kenddv at gmail.com and you can send Nancy an email at nsaxtonlopez, that's N-S-A-X, T-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z at csmpc.com. Also, if you would like to provide some support for the work we're doing here, you can do that through Venmo for a one-time gift, also through PayPal. You can also subscribe. So all of that information on how to do that is in the description as well. And of course, we'd appreciate that. We also would like you to know that this program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society. Dakin Humane Society is a community-supported animal welfare organization in central Massachusetts. And you can see the description. It gives you more detail about Dakin, but you can connect with Dakin and give them a donation at dakinhumane.org. That's D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E.org. And one special thing about Dakin that I'd like you to know as well is that they are sponsoring a monthly Zoom pet loss support group that I'll be facilitating. It happens on the second Tuesday of every month at 6 p.m. Eastern. We go from 6 to 7.30. There's no cost and you can you can sign up for that right. support group at the dakinhumane.org link as well. So please consider doing that. I believe it's the first thing that you'll hit when you get to Dakin and you can RSVP and you'll get a link to the program and it would be great to have you join me. And that way we can actually interact mm -hmm. and have more of a discussion than is possible through this kind of medium. So I think that's it for the opening, right, Nancy? That's right. Now I'm going to apologize a little bit because my laptop is not working appropriately. So I'm on the phone. And so I have to be very close because Ken has said that I'm not very, um, um, you know, loud. You hear me. Yeah, loud. <laughs> and so I'm going to be right next to the phone so you can hear me. And that means I also can't read some of these emails that we really appreciate coming in that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and there are a few very heartbreaking and heartwarming stories. And so I think Ken is going to be the narrator and we can talk about um these these wonderful animals and their their amazing pet parents. Yeah, so we titled this program until we say goodbye, 
because our first email is about that very difficult time when you know your pet is nearing the end mm -hmm. and you're caring for them and you're also anticipating having to implement their euthanasia and just a very hard period of time. Sometimes it stays, sometimes it's quite a bit longer than that. And so we got a note from Kelsey and I'm going to read that to you. And she writes, hi, Ken and Nancy. Thank you so much for the work you do around pet loss and grief. I found your book and your podcast soon after my dog Yoshi was diagnosed with metastatic carcinoma 18 days ago. She's still with me now, following me around the house and looking at me inquisitively. Today is our last full day together. I've made the difficult decision to say goodbye before she gets too sick to go on short walks or respond to my voice. She trusts me implicitly. Her trust gives me the strength to make an impossible decision. I think that's a very powerful oh, statement. Oh, absolutely. Her trust gives me the strength to make an impossible decision. I adopted Yoshi six years ago from a local shelter. I had just ended an abusive relationship, and she was a huge part of helping me rebuild my sense of self and safety. We loved to go on adventures together, hiking and camping. She got me up and out of the house earlier than ever before. She reintroduced me to the beauty of dawn and dusk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they do that, don't they? She was my shadow from the moment I got her, following my every move. It took me longer to adjust since I caught up. It's been years of mutual respect and admiration. She's only eight years old. I thought we'd have more time together. I feel robbed of years of companionship and joy. I'm mourning her as well as the lost time and experiences. I used to say how I wish I'd known her when she was a puppy. And now I even more ardently wish I could see her grow old. In, in recent days, I've wept and gone through the whole gamut of emotions. I keep returning to gratitude for the time we've spent together. That takes a lot of focus to keep returning yeah. to gratitude. I've yeah. benefited from my discussions on from your discussions on anticipatory grief, incorporating loss into our life story, and how to memorialize our beloved family members. Yoshi is my first heart dog or familiar. Those are the terms you and I use, respectively. My first dog is an adult. I could not have created a better dog. She's stubborn, headstrong, gentle, kind, independent, intelligent, sweet, relaxed, and adventurous. We're very alike. Journaling about this experience has helped me immensely. I'm looking forward to writing poems or stories about her in our time together. My friends and partner are helping me put together a book of photos and stories to memorialize her. I'm also planning to spread her ashes at places we visited on our adventures. I know I'm not ready to adopt another dog. I've been looking at shelters in my area and it's nice to see there are dogs out there who would be great companions. I never, will find another dog like her. She's truly one of a kind. Could you talk about the heart dogs familiars you'd have in, you've had in your life and how they're different from each other? Did they complement different parts of you? Mm. During 2020, I fostered 11 cats and kittens, not all at once. Yoshi loves cats and was great at helping to figure out if they'd be okay with families with dogs. I would like to foster dogs in the coming months I'm wondering about your or others' experiences with fostering after losing a pet. I always had Yoshi as my anchor after the cats got placed with new families or after I lost one kitten to 
calicivirus. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, calicivirus. I'm wondering if fostering will be too painful in the near term. I'm also considering volunteering at a local shelter, caring for the dogs and cats waiting for foster or adoption. I might want to take them all home. Mm-hmm. I get immense satisfaction from helping animals, and yet I want to give myself time to grieve the loss of Yoshi. As painful as it's been since her diagnosis, I can feel how much harder it will be to not have her next to me. Even now, it's hard to imagine the full weight of her absence. It's comforting to think of her trotting alongside me in spirit. Gratefully, Kelsey. Happy to share my and Yoshi's story with everyone. It's been a bomb to hear from your listeners and hear their tributes read aloud. I'm sure I'll turn to you all throughout this process. It's only just beginning. There's so much there. So and much there. Back in, in the beginning when she knows that her dog is dying and that she's going to have to make that decision or made yeah. that decision. And it brings you and I back, right, to those times when you know, you know, it's, it's going to come or needs to come or will come. And then you have to make that decision to come and they look at you. And I loved how she said that, 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 that Yoshi trusted her enough yep. to make the right decision. Now that's really powerful. Well, and she knows that she feels it deeply, which is something that makes it easier. It doesn't, take away all of that swirl that happens afterwards, the woulda, shoulda, couldas and regrets and guilt and whatnot. By we should, and by the way, we should mention that Yoshi has been euthanized. She has transitioned. We've heard from Kelsey and she's, you know, Kelsey's doing all the right things. Yeah. She's also aware of how, what the weight of her grief is and will be so she didn't she while she's talking about her anticipatory grief she was also anticipating the anticipating the reality of the grief once it's happened and now that's what she's walking through right now Mm -hmm. yeah so what a wonderful wonderful, amazing pet parent and this dog meant so much to her still a lot to her will always be with her as she's talking about you know she walking spiritually next to her yeah trying along um, next to her um and you know it's the the what they do for us the dawn and the dusk right i mean getting out into nature doing the things that create us to feel life differently yeah right? yeah and how nice that they're not looking at everything that's going on in the world the whole world right now and talking about it they're just saying hey let's play and let's eat and let's go for a walk you know or let's cuddle and let's play you know have all the little toys and and how nice to get away from all of that right i mean that's yeah yeah so let's talk about this i think it's very interesting how your heart dogs or your familiars were different how you knew that they were what they were. And, and I'll just re- repeat that I, I use the term familiar because I, I borrowed it from a book by Alice Walker called The Temple of My Familiar. And she talks about, she talks about how we have relationship with some animals. And in her story, it was a kind of a magical realism kind of animal 
that she was describing. But we have we have relationships with some animals that feel so deeply connecting, and they also have a way of helping us feel connected to the larger world, the world of nature. And so it's just very, very special kind of connection. And I'll say that I, I have had two familiars in my life. One was a little cat named Phoebe. And Phoebe was a cat who my ex-wife and I adopted along with another cat named Reginald when they were kittens. We went to a shelter in Manhattan we lived in New York City at the time. And it was a little shelter, I believe it was on 61st Street. It was called I Love Animals. And it was led by a woman named Calla Frick. <clears throat> and she was a really interesting character. And you'd walk into the, it was a basement apartment where the shelter was. And there were many, many cat crates, like tiers of them. So the place was spotless. You didn't smell any poop or pee or anything. So they, she, Kala and the volunteers were incredibly, incredibly diligent about the work. And what they would do is they let out all the cats. Cats were mostly out. They would put them back in, I think, to sleep. And then you would sit down and the cats would choose you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so, so we did, we walked away with these two little kittens. One of them was Phoebe, who was a Bombay cat. Bombays are little black cats with kind of rounded ears and little rounded faces. That's what they said she was. She kind of looked like one. Who knows? Because she, we don't know really where she came from. And Reginald was a orange and white tabby sort of. Reginald was a neutered male and Phoebe was a spayed female. Or we had to bring them to be spayed afterwards because they were, they were very little. And I can't tell you why Phoebe was my familiar. She just, I just knew that she and I were connected. And I actually felt like she and I will always be connected. I, it's very hard to explain in words, but it's just a sense of this little cat and I have been together forever. We will be together forever. We are deeply, deeply connected. And that is the way it was. And she was a great little cat, as was Reginald. Reginald was a really fun little cat too. But I just didn't feel the same degree. And then the other, just to really be kind of quick, the other familiar I had was Isabel. And Isabel died this last June 19th. So Isabel, Tim and I, my husband and I, we, adopt, we, we purchased them from a breeder, our two chihuahuas, because my son was eight and I wanted to get a dog. I'd gotten my first dog when I was eight and I wanted to get dogs who could live with us in a condo in New Jersey. And I also wanted, I wanted them to be little dogs and I wanted them to be dogs that were just really gentle in temperament because I knew chihuahuas often aren't. So we went to a breeder's house and she had something like 40 chihuahuas most of whom were puppies. And again, I mean, it was spotless, but it was like 101 chihuahuas. When you rang the doorbell, you heard all these little yipping. And we went in and she, they were in various little play, play pens. And again, they were, I don't know, they were like eight weeks old or six weeks old. And there were many, many, many of them. And I remember I picked up this little black and white Isabel. She probably weighed a pound. I mean, tiny could fit in your palm of your hand. And I just knew, and I said, you're coming with me. And that, 
and that yeah, was it. And then we were we were only going to get. We actually had two other Chihuahuas at the time, and we were only going to get one. And then Tim said, "Why don't we get both of them?" Because he was playing with Abigail, who was another little. They were both long-haired Chihuahuas, and I again I can't tell you why exactly, but again I just felt this extraordinarily deep connection. I, I tend to be very connected to my animals anyway. Like, you know, right. we, oh, we just right. really, really spend a lot of time, spend as much time with them as we can. We care. Chihuahuas kind of carry them around. <laughs> and, and, but you, you've met, I think you met Isabel. And oh yeah. Isabel and Abigail. I certainly know. You might've met Reginald and Phoebe too. I think. And, um, and, but I, it's very hard. It's very hard to, to put into words, but she again. I just feel like I, I'll always be connected to Isabel. I am connected to her. I always will be. We always have been. Something like that is the best way to describe it. <laughs> well, I have two interesting stories too because I have two heart dogs. Mm -hmm. And the first, I um, like I got at a pet store in Bergen County in uh, nineteen seventy seven. Uh -huh. And it was now I had met a pug during my uh, tenure at college because um, I worked. Don't ask. I worked as a maid in the summer. Once uh, oh, I did that, too. <laughs> I did that, too, at my university. Yep. 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 One year. In the summer. The cook had a pug, right? Uh -huh. Wow. It's Tomiko. And he was so cool. So. Um, I was married, my first marriage, and um, we got Tashi, that was her name. Um, all uh, Somebody was looking at her when I went back with, with John, and, and they didn't take her, and we scooped her up, right? So that was my first experience with a pug. Now, what happened, or, uh, or my own dog as an adult, had a lot of dogs growing up. And the interesting part about Tashi is she went through so much life with me. And I think that that's the bond multiple wounds, a divorce, a remarriage. I mean, there was so much that that animal, that that little girl went through with me. And when John and I broke up, I could not take her with me initially because I moved into an apartment that would not take animals. And so I would get custody of her on the weekends, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. I would go get her. Now, there was an issue that that they took her to a, he took her to a mall one day, left her in the car and found, found her almost dead, got her into, oh. into the mall, got her into the bathroom on the cool. She survived, but that made me insane. So I, I begged, borrowed and stole with my landlord is to please let me take her. She's only 20 pounds, right? Yeah. She's not going to do any damage. So I confiscated her and um, and then she lived the rest of her life out with me. But we all of those things, she was my rock, right? Yeah, yeah. She was that 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 little cute, cuddly, sweet being that would be there for me every day, no matter what I was going through. Yeah, yeah. I went through a lot with her, right? So that's number one. My second, and I've talked about Hank here. Hank's Hank's my man. Hank was my 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 little man. And <laughs> he was a product of Rosie and Jack. Jack's still alive. He's 16. And Rosie died a couple of years ago. But I, I don't know what it was about Hank. I think because he attached himself to me. 
you know, he was one of the one of the of the, the puppies that we were going to sell, but he had a hernia. And so nobody kind of wanted him. And I said, oh, okay, so you know, we'll keep him, right? So we had Molly, we're gonna keep Hank. And for whatever reason, I think he really appreciated that because he became like my Velcro, you know, he uh, he was my dog, right? Um and Hank also, unfortunately, developed multiple chronic diseases, you know, throughout his life. And so I was his primary caretaker. You know, he was epileptic. He was anemic. He had a skin condition. He had, he ended up with diabetes. I mean, there were so many things that little boy went through. But, you know, he, he was that person. He's the one that visited me. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, we talked about that last week. So... So I, I think because there was just a bond that Hank and I had that was, I loved all my dogs, but Tashi and Hank were my, my heart guys. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I, I don't, I don't know what, you know, it, it's just different. It's different. Every relationship is different. Like my puppy now, I totally love her and, you know, she's very important to me. Uh, maybe she'll be a familiar. I don't know yet, but it didn't, it didn't, it doesn't feel that quite that way, which is not to say that I anything can't. against anything against her or our relationship. Um, who knows, but do we want to, maybe we'll talk some about the, the other questions oh, sure. that Kelsey asked. She asked, one of the things I think is, is interesting is like, is it a good idea essentially to foster? And now I've never, I mean, uh, so I don't, I mean, I understand the concept of it. I think it's wonderful. And I think the shelters are moving more and more towards that yep. instead of having, you know, um, the animals and, and, and cages and crates. I mean, especially for some that were used to homes. Right. So I think fostering is, is an amazing thing. And, I, and I'm really happy that we've moved in that direction to have animals that have been, you know, abandoned or their owners have died or whatever that is to be in a home. Um, but she has good questions. Right. Because she said, am I going to feel bad about that? Or am I going to, is it going to increase my grieving? And I guess I think it's something of what she's asking um, because Yoshi is so important. It was absolutely her heart dog and very important to her. Although I think Yoshi would have been, would be really happy if she did that, you know? Yeah. I, the way that I think about that is that if she has any questions about whether or not she should do it, she should do something that is less immersive, like volunteering at the shelter right? because she can then get a sense of she can whether take. or not it feels like a good step to take a dog into her home as a foster. I'll, I'll be very honest. I, I couldn't foster. I, I couldn't do it because I, I attached to him. There's no way I would, I would say I'm fostering and then I'd be desperately hoping nobody wants to I I'm just want to hold on to that. Ten cats, ten dogs. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh. I just, I just don't have the. This is not in my temperament. I don't think to do that. I attach too much and too quickly to animal companions, and so that's. But but I certainly and I know people who do that, and I I think it's and I, and they, I know people who do that with children too, and I think it's an amazing gift, yeah. but it's just not something that that would suit me and it might not suit many other people as well. 
So I think that that's a good idea that you had though for, for Kelsey is maybe start small and, and just do some volunteer work. And yes, you want to take them all home. We always want to take them all home. And that's, that's the, that's the struggle we have because we can't take them all home. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to get her feet wet, you know, at a shelter or some other animal organization that animals are around um, before she looks at, well, okay, I, I think I can foster. Um, and I think that that's admirable because I, like you said, I, fostering is, is hard because you do have to let them go. You know? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, that I just think it's important to do too, is to just try to be really patient with herself Mm-hmm. and kind and not feel like she has to jump into action, but to more just allow. See what feels, yeah, allow, see what feels right allow her and, and give herself time because yeah. she needs to experience whatever she needs to experience in the aftermath of this extraordinary loss. And that sometimes it's, we, we get all these plans because we want to do healthy activities and we want to do healthy distractions, but it's also important to have some meditative time to just allow and, and also to feel like if she doesn't feel like doing anything she now and then she doesn't have to. Yeah. She can just, she can just vegetate and, and be with her, whatever her feelings are, whatever her grief tells her she needs to do. I think she should do. I think that that's a, a, a good a good questions. Now she wrote us back. With, did she have other questions on the second email? You have it there, I think. Um, or is it on your phone? Maybe. Um, but she had yes. Um, yeah, she, I, I can't bring it up right now. Yeah. I'm not that technologically skilled. <laughs> she, but she did. She did get to us and and let us know that she, that Yoshi had had died. Um, and that she was going through this, this, her grief, you know, um, and she was there holding, holding Yoshi and, and, you know, letting her, you know, transcend to walking over that bridge. Um, and so we, we did respond to her again because now it's different, you know, I, I just, I, I feel for her I feel for us. I feel for anyone who who is looking at their animal. Ellie's, Ellie's pretty sick right now, my Ellie. And, oh, and yeah, she's, she's got, she's got a lot of, a lot of papillomas in her mouth because her immune system is not good. Um, she's lost some hair now. Um, she does have um, end stage gastric disease, which they cannot do anything for. And so we're just, you know, we're just loving her. And you're and, loving her and you're assessing yeah. That's, that's and very, that, so you're, you on you're in this place. We're in this, I'm in this. And it could be two weeks. It could be a year. I mean, we don't know what, you know, right now she's eating, she's spicy um, and she's alert, but we don't know when that time will come. Yeah. And so, um, and we took her to the vet yesterday and there's nothing to do with papillomas, which are little gross that are benign, you know, the, um, it's a virus of some sort, which I think she got, unfortunately, from Boogie. Um, and, um, but her immune system's not great. So, yeah. you know, that would cause them to grow. And all of a sudden the other day, just part of her skin, like its hair just 
fell out, you know, and we're like, oh my God. So we're waiting for a nutritionist that we've talked to to give her a diet that might help. But we know, I mean, that's that anticipation. We know that that is it's going to happen, you know, hopefully late, later than sooner, but it will happen. Yeah. And I well, understand she was, you know. That's that's so that's so hard. Yeah. Well, I I actually was able to find Kelsey's note. I'm surprising myself. So maybe we could close with re, with reading this. So I've got it on my phone, and I'll I'll read it. Okay, good. So this is from Kelsey. Thank you both for responding. It's been a long few weeks since her diagnosis, and today was the most painful day. I'd resolved not to let her get any sicker and weaker, but I felt conflicted. She was still so devoted to me. Yoshi kept following me from room to room, even out on the porch in the 95 degree heat. The slightest exertion made her stop and pant, and yet she didn't let herself rest if I wasn't in her eye line. When we got to the vet, I felt a sense of calm and steadiness. I wept silently and reassured her I would be with her until the end, that I loved her, that she was the best dog I could imagine. I couldn't believe she was gone. It looked like she was sleeping, so peaceful. Now that I'm home, the weight of her loss is crushing. There are signs of her everywhere in my house. I'm aware of how quiet it is without her soft snores and underwater barks while she dreams. I'm also aware of how utterly exhausted I am. I was putting in a lot of energy, making sure she knew how much I love and care about her. I was kicking myself for not being 100% present to her before this feeling like I was on autopilot. I realize now I couldn't keep up this level of watchfulness, that it was a gift we allowed each other to enjoy each other's company as if we were indestructible. Mm. I can hear in my questions to you the underlying fear that I'll never have this connection with another dog. I'm worried this pain of loss will never subside, even after I have another dog, even after I adopt another dog. I'll always be yearning for that special bond we shared. I'll miss how we took care of one another and the depth of our devotion. It feels like I've lost my internal compass. I think a part of what I loved about fostering was the potential that I was matching cats with their heart person. I wanted to share the type of bond that Yoshi and I had with other beings. I hope I can foster again in honor of Yoshi and our bond. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow is the first day I wake up without her. Wow. I'll try to meet the day as she always did, walks and naps first and foremost. Beautiful, beautiful sentiment and a sad, sad time for her. Really um, is. It really is beautiful. And, and we thank her so much for sharing all of this. And one of the things that Kelsey, Kelsey noted, I think more than once, is that these kinds of stories have actually been helpful to her. And so she wanted to share yeah. them with others. It's always such a generous thing to do. So vulnerable. I mean, this is the pain, yeah. such pain, you know, to share with others. Um, and that's the beauty of what we're doing. And that's the beauty of a group. You yeah. know, everyone, I mean, they can connect to that. And a lot of times in our world, people don't understand. Yep. Yeah. So. so we should note also that we are not going to have a program next we Thursday because I'll be traveling. We will have one the following Thursday. Yeah. Which will be so, recorded though. We which will be recorded because of, of your travel schedule. Yeah. So we're, we're going into a time when we're going to both be 
kind of jostling our schedules a bit. So we'll try the best we can to to keep up and uh, we wish everybody a, a great a great couple of weeks. Yeah. Take care everyone. Take care. Bye bye.